Well, welcome everyone to this lecture, informal lecture about research, research meadows and research in the, of the Institute of the Americas. As you have read and my description of this talk, I will be sharing with you a little about uh, my career in research about transgender history, in particular in Argentina. And to start with, I, I wanted to, to, to share with you these two photographs. Um, these two photographs are two photographs from the beginning of the, of, of the 20th century. Uh, almost from the same year. One was published, the one in the right was published in a medical book, after other dozens of photographs uh, about what in the time was called invertidos sexuales. There was a concept with which doctors explain those persons that live their life dress, into quotation, uh, with another gender. Uh, in this case, in this case, it was called Aida. This was a portrait she take in a photograph uh, with a photo, with a with a with a professional photographer, and that she produced. Now, choosing the dress, choosing the pose, using a corset, preparing her her hair. Uh, we, we don't know exactly which were the motivations of this portrait. We can imagine. This, this portrait had an emotional value for her because it was a portrait in which she was expressing and persistent over time how she wanted to be to be seen. And she gave this, this portrait, as the doctor says, Francisco de Vera, that was, was a very famous doctor in Argentina. He, he take this photograph and reproduce it as an example of how these people experience a life their lives. Uh, the other photograph that we see in the left is a photograph of Daphne Vacarasi Arturo Aragón. It was a person, a Spanish man, a woman, that through her life changed uh, her gender expression from male for female for different reasons that have not come to the history now. Then if you want, we can talk a little about it. But well, and this movement, Arturo took several portraits in which he was showing his, his features as a male guy of a man. And this photograph was used by a journalist. As you see, there is like a kind of circle that was cut off the, the original photograph by a, a journalist to write a history about him in which he used this, this circle cut along with other images of, of Arturo dressed as a woman in order to make problematic this idea that he was a man and, and he was not a, a woman. And this idea of journalists of the beginning of the 20th century of looking for the true sex. Both doctors and, and journalists were obsessed with this idea. No? They were looking in these photographs, uh, what was the true sex of these persons? They were looking for languages to explain this person, where, where they should be placed in this broader ideas that we had about uh, sexual uh, uh, human sexuality. And uh, along with it, uh, they were, by, by using this photograph, developing theories about human, human sexuality. I bring these two photographs with two. To, to make all together some questions. And then the first question I made, I made myself when I find this photograph of this was how historians usually approach to this kind of photograph, how we usually 
think about this kind of photographs. Uh, tra traditional historiography, uh, in particular the lesbian and gay historiography, trying to understand these people as, as uh, gay and lesbians. You know, they use this kind of, uh, of gender framework to understand, especially in the, in the end of the late 80s and the 90s, to understand these lives as part of proto-identities of what a modern society during the 20th century will be understood as homosexuality and lesbianism. That the problem with this approach, and thus has been shown in the last in the last years, is that they trend to reduce these lives to what it was considered in the moment the true sex. Now they, they are understood as men and women that are living their life with a deviation. They are transgressing these gender norms just because they are attracted to the opposite sex, and this is the way in which they're experiencing this. You know this uh, this erotic identity. However, after some other you know, uh, new developments, for example, the Susan Stryker book *Transgender History* that came out at the beginning of the 2000s, um, the Mexican historian Gabriela Cano, who worked about the history of Amelia Robles, who was a transgender male general of the Mexican Revolution, began to, to, to challenge these this ideas and this narrative by pointing out why should we reduce these subjects to the erotic ideas and why shouldn't we start thinking about them as they were exp experiencing their gender, or how they were living you know, in, the, in, the, in the pronouns and, and how we could place the pronouns into this broader historical narrative. So, in general, I'm working with, with loads of photographs, in fact, thousands of them. And, and I wanted to share with you, uh, with, uh, to start with some point, about which questions I bring myself about these, this kind of materials. Uh, obviously, the first question is the question we were addressing at the beginning, what are the conditions of production of these pictures? What is the purpose behind these pictures? Why these people is taking these pictures? And why these people is preserving these pictures or is archiving these pictures or circulating these pictures, as for example, Aida did by, by giving it to a doctor. You know? But a, a general question, why we do. Um, and by addressing these kind of questions about which conditions make a photograph uh, possible, you, I try to understand also how this photograph was read over time. Now, the first doctors trying to understand it as part of this uh, broader building of idea of sex and gender in Americas. A second reading that could be more relating with historical reading, no lesbian and gay history. And, and then we have a third reading more related uh, with, 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 with transgender history approaches, now in which there is a question about how these people was uh, imagining themselves. And which also now we will see creates broader, broader questions about, for example, uh, how, can we think of these people as trans people if they were born or they experienced this, this gender identity before the definition of the modern transsexuality or modern transgender identities? How should we narrate them? 
which are the labels and which are the words that we could use to define uh, or to describe this, this, this kind of experience. Well, as I was telling you, this, this part, this, this, this photograph of this material, and that will show you a little more, and we explain you a little more why I wanted to share with you as part of a broader project I'm writing about, a book about uh, this called Abode One's Own, The Making of Section Argentina, in which I address how different actors from doctors, journalists, uh, policymakers, trans people made or construct this idea of sex change. This is to say how this category made us possible to think and to understand how these people embodied uh, a new gender crossing uh, the, the gender barriers as, as it were defined at the time as sex. No? Um, so the, the book explores uh, the different repertoires uh, that trans people use to define uh, their, their gender. Um, sorry. So to, to go through this, this is um, nope. Uh, this is a, a, a image about a, a travesty. That was a, 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 a an identity, a corporal identity that grew that was forming in Argentina in the second half of the twentieth century. That it's that it's usually associated with non-binary bodies, female bodies, in which people experience. Uh, usually homemade technologies transformation of their bodies, for example, self-injecting industrial silicon in their bodies to form a breast and to form uh, hips and sometimes ankles, uh, but not uh, per se, not looking uh, a genital surgery as, for example, transsexuals would look in the second half of the 20th century more related to a sex change uh, transformation. So, the questions I'm usually I'm, I'm working on or I'm thinking while well, I see this kind of materials, for example, this material that's circulated in a very famous magazine that was uh, was quite popular, you know, one of the most newspapers in Argentina in the 60s and 70s, is how these people build this body? How these people embody themselves? And by this question, I'm thinking on how we could recognize of ourselves about how these people also build their own knowledge and make um, and build their own technology to address the body they were looking for in very difficult and precarious conditions. By addressing this uh, this kind of, of of body transformation practices and how these body transformation practices were policed when have been policed by, by the state and state agents. Also, I'm trying to understand how people understood sex and how these kind of practices of, trans, of transgression of sex shape and reshape the popular notions with which uh, people understood uh, some new ideas, general ideas of, of sex. Hi, Paolo. Um, then I'm trying to understand how also these trans practices related to transforming or performing their own bodies were relating with uh, broader practices of, of gender affirmation. Now that's general people, uh, what, how, of what we today will call cisgender people uh, use also to affirm the gender. Now, for example, hormone conception, uh, general surgeries, so for example, breast implants, etc., etc. 
and 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 I think that's a, a final question I also have in my mind, and I think that this is transversal to any any research someone wants to pursue is why Argentina no? and, and why trans bodies. So that is a question that I made myself. Um, I think every person that go through a research process should should address. Uh, in my case, my, my answer is more related that Argentina was a, one of the few countries that banned this kind of practices and push people to go through alternative technological developments to embody themselves. But uh, beyond that, um, I think that the, that's an important question to do ourselves on how in particular a study uh, related to a particular context, as can be Argentinian context, it could be Chilean context, it could be other space of Latin America or multiple space of Latin America can uh, help us or can contribute to a broader discussion in the film. Now, in this case, I'm trying to, to think how this particular wave of trans embodiment in Argentina related with this with this kind of, of, of identities, not for example, travesties, but also in Bartidos at the beginning of the 20th century, make problematical some general ideas of transgender history applied to global history. Now, for example, that trend to see transgender subjects as some, something more harmonic and homogeneous that, that it seems in, in reality you now in daily life. So by bringing these photographs, and I don't want to extend uh, too much about it. I went to show with you some, I, I thought that go through some questions that could be interesting to, to, to think about it. Now, what, one question could be, uh, how can we address you now with this kind of material? Now here we have the portrait of, of Raul Suarez, who was a man that, that lived his life as a man. And this was the photograph that was taking his national document in which the state recognizing him as a man. He did a, he did, he traveled to Rwai, he forged his document and came back in Argentina. And by doing that, he achieved a state recognition uh, with the sex he wanted to, to live his life. Nope. Uh, our first question is um, how we could, um, uh, it is more related to what I've been talking about. How we can address this material, how this material was read in, the, in their own time, how this material circulated, uh, which was uh, the purpose, which was the, the use of this material for the people that was using this kind of photographs. Was for, for example, forging a document, no construction a bond with the state, a document that allowed them to get a job without a state recognition and to build a life surrounding this, uh, this gender identity was a private photograph that they used it with their friends uh, or they used it with lovers in which, in which it has like a more emotional dimension to, to affirm their fantasy or to affirm their fantasy, yeah, so their embodiment, but, but also which uses in the time this photograph had, no? Uh, was used by doctors to construct a narrative about gender and sex and which role these kind of characters played in rather processes of building of categories as for example, sex, or we could think other cases of, for example, race, now that's, that's the medicine uh, usually did in the, at the beginning of the, of the turning between the 19th and, and the 20th century. So I think that 
this first question is more related with thinking how reconstructing the conduction, the conditions of production of this kind of visual material could be useful to address it and to think it in, in broader practices. But another question is, which is our relationship now with this material? How we engage with this, with this kind of material, what happened to us? Now, feminist theory and feminist research usually think about pos positionality. Uh, in my case, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm a LGTB researcher, but I'm not, I'm a cisgender researcher. So when I address with lives that are related with all the kind of uh, queer experience, I usually try to, to, to rethink which is my relationship with it. And I think that's a, a general question everyone should have with their own object now, like which is my relation, what is my emotional relationship with these objects and which is my uh, political relationship with the subjects and which is my power relationship with the subjects, especially when we're talking about about uh, history, you know, in which we're talking about people that is dead and that can't uh, deny the history of the narrative we're building about their lives. So this is a, like a second direction about this question that is more related with this, with this, uh, with our position with this, with this idea. A first layer, I think, when I when I took these materials, is a like archival dimension. No, usually this. These photographs are placed sometimes in traditional archives, this is to say public archives regulated by the state, and sometimes this material is in private, is in private collections. The first question we, 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 can do, we can make ourselves about this is what uh, this placement of this kind of document tell us about it, when we found it in, in public and traditional in traditional collections, what this what these objects can tell us about all the processes of, for example, the state building. For example, this this picture of Olivia Suarez was cataloged as a lady figure uh, in a in a collection called Lady Figures of the time. Now, in which was a far, was from a very popular magazine, and in this collection, I found like twenty photographs of of different uh, what. Or how, uh, how they were called women man. This is to say, people consider women that was living as a man in their time. And and, and the first question is, well, wh why this car why this label? Who built this label? And what was the role of this label in building a general idea of what sex was and what these uh, transgressions were in terms of 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 the gender norms of the time, and also. What it tells us the fact that these photographs are still preserved and cataloged in this kind of, of concept about the, 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 the way the state think and organize uh, you know, the ra rational, how the, the rationality they're building about around surrounding these materials. Um, so and, and then we have all the kind of, of collections that I don't know that is more related with this kind of photograph as our private collections, in which I'm addressing, uh, in general, uh, grassroots organizations, archives, in particular the Transmemory Archive, the LGTB Archive of Salta, this is a small province in the in North Argentina, in which 
there is all the rationality organizing the material is more related with the people that took the photographs, ideas and concepts, you know, how they define and organize this, this, this kind of material. And usually it's not, uh, it's a contrast. Now, when you think the two, the two archives, you see the contrast between the categories and how this, they create tensions. Uh, and I'm today, I'm not talking a, a lot about this, but I'm also exploring all the kind of, uh, of methodologies to, to address my, my research, in particular interviews, uh, which is a little complicated uh, because a trans community in Argentina is a very vulnerable community. It has a very precarious life. This is to say that the life expectancy of trans people in Argentina is about 35 and 36 years old. So finding people old enough to, to sweeten my, or to, or to give me, or to provide me some memories about their life in the 70s or the 60s or the 80s and sometimes even the 90s, it's a little complicated. But by working with a small amount of, of, of interviews, it's interesting how these other narratives can be useful to contrast with other, with other actors that have had the monopoly over this life. Now, for example, policymakers, journalists, doctors that, that constitute the, the big majority of, of, my, of my material. So uh, just focusing in on, on, on photography on, as, as an object of research, there's, there's a lot to, to read about it and I'm very, I'm very interested in text about it. Uh, but some questions I'm, I'm, I'm navigating and I'm dealing with and maybe sharing with you could be useful now when, you, when we exchange uh, a little in the discussion uh, are about how we address this other kind of, of photograph also in which uh, that are more homemade production and were not always produced for a mass circulation. Now, a first question that I think is transversal to all the photographers, to the ones that were in the archives, and this one is which uh, is the agency of who is being photographed, no? of how if this person is negotiating somehow uh, depending the kind of photography, in which degree they're negotiating, uh, how they want to be seen in this photograph. And I think, for example, in this first photography I was showing you about Arturo, no? he's, he clearly composed all this image in other pictures, he's painting portraits of thinking, you know, he's presenting himself as an intellectual. By this photograph then, when it comes to the level of circulation, is cut and is with a text is replaced with an idea in which, well, this picture is fake. This is not real. This is something he's, he's, he's creating to, to fool us. So I'm, I think there's a question about how people, the degrees of agency of people over the, this photograph is interested to think about now this process of negotiation of gender presentation, in particular in thinking about this idea and you know, photography was also a technology with which these people embody themselves and persist over time. And how it was, no, I don't want to repeat it. So, uh, after this question about agencies that obviously changed a lot between grassroots 
archives and state archives, depending on which kind of photographs we are working with. Or another question I'm usually navigating with is, well, how should we narrate them? Uh, when we think in these stories, it's not so easy as, as one could think about, well, if there were trans women, I will use a female gender pronouns. However, by doing interviews and we're reading a little more, for example, in trans memoirs, travestis memoirs, the ways in which these people remember their own life sometimes navigates non-clear limits between gender representations and gender self-representations that should be also attend or, or for what should be important for, for, for building a transgender history narrative. You know? uh, especially taking into account this, this relationship of power, this narration has over of a life that, that of people that is dead you now, and doing justice to this, that is not just uh, doing justice for a political statement, is uh, to understand how these people were shaping and defining their own definition of gender and their own definitions of sex is relating to thinking how this pronouns and way of self-identification change in their own life cycle. And, and, and then a, a final question I, I'm trying to make myself or I also uh, thinking about is how can we place trans lives in a general history, in a broader history? And we should do this or not. And, and there's several, several discussions that I think this kind of, of question can bring us. And I think this can be maybe applied to other kind of subjects or political subjects. Um, for example, I, I could think in two broader examples to, to think a path to place trans lives or other queer lives in, in the history of the scene. Uh, one could be related with how we think political regimes or political lives. Now, political regimes and political categories with, within which we think a history. Uh, for example, when we think in trans life, usually these people in Argentina went through difficult political persecution. During almost all the 20th century, at least since the 30s, there were several laws that forbidden being dressed in another sex clothes in the public sphere. So when we think about this, we think about people that usually spend several times of their life in prison, almost all five, six, seven times per year and prisoner was submitted to horrible uh, violent practices by police officers. Uh, and why I bring this as an example of how to rethink our the concepts with which we think political history, for example, in countries Argentina. Usually, historiography in Argentina tends to think the, the, this, a, a huge distinction between dictatorships and civil governments that went through the 20th century as democratic eras and military authoritarian eras. But when we think about transgender lives, these distinctions became unclear. There are no distinction between these two, these two, these two times. It's, there is just a, continu a continuum of violence applied over their bodies. And I think that being, bringing these lives to the center of, of, of Journal history of Argentina could be useful to rethink how we think democracy and how democracy has been thought for a 
model of citizen relationship would be cisgender and heterosexual non-citizenship. How this kind of violence was taken for, for granted now is a violence that, well, is part of the, the political regime. Now, these bodies are used to, to be through this political, of this kind of, of, of general violence. And as I was saying at the beginning of, of this presentation, all the way of placing trans life is make it, making connection with the, or, or looking to establish connections between how they embody themselves with how people in general embody themselves. Not taking for granted, for example, that cisgender people don't modify their bodies to materialize or to, or to make clear this a male female female body. You know? Uh, for example, several examples are hormones, for example, the way used by doctors in the 30s to, to correct cisgender bodies that were correct, weren't considered deviated, or uh, used by uh, other kind of technologies, of corsets, uh, bras, etc. I will, I will think, that were circulating in this porosity between these two groups. And that can be useful uh, to, to think on other areas of body history in which maybe we have a, a huge vacancy uh, that is related to this daily technologies with who we with which we we construct our our gender we embody our our, our gender. Uh, so that's the beginning of my presentation. I don't know how we have to continue. They told me 20 minutes. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I mean, just on this last point, because as you know, I've been trying to write this overview of Peruvian history from 1919 to 1968. And um, I mean, if you were doing something like that, if you were writing a general history of, of Argentina, how would you concretely write in this, this, this aspect of history? How, where, where would it fit? I mean, how would you, you know, in a, in a text that is aimed at the general reader, where would you place this and, and how? I mean, that, that, I guess that's my, my question, the, the challenge of how. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the, the main problem now. Like, because we used, to, obviously we're talking about a minority or a minorized body of a minorized community. It's difficult to think how it fit in a general narrative, historical narrative. But I think, I, I don't know how you can do it because I know which text you're saying and I think it's complicated. But I'm thinking of how difficult it was to integrate the, the idea that universal vote wasn't universal. When we thought about the beginning of gender history, it sounds like, oh, this is crazy. How are we going to explain people that it wasn't universal? That was just for white men and uh, the white property. I think that that is making this categories more complex. You now, like, can we talk about fully democracy when we know that there was a, a huge number of people that were unable to use basic human rights of as walking in public spaces. I don't, I'm not sure about it, of voting. Uh, for like, I don't know, I, have, I don't know how, but I know that this concept that we are using 
becomes more complex. And also I think that all the problem is how we think violence. That I'm thinking a lot about this. Like, is, I think that's, that's a difficult concept that uh, for Latin American history in general. And first, because I think it's generally related with the state violence or with reduced to state violence. And we don't have, we have research, especially Mexico in thinking, but we don't have enough research in Latin American countries about civil violence, for example, how of the normative role of civil violence, not just left-wing violence. What happened with daily violence applied as a normative, as, a, as an agent of construction of order, no, of order, I think in maybe a schematic, but um, because when we think in LGTB community and trans community, we're thinking a lot about this daily administration of violence for, from families and from, in general, people in the street that just beat these people, that just torture these people. You found it's crazy that they mount the loads of testimonies about how these people is raped, uh, burned. I don't know. It's crazy. But how this also, this how this civil violence is not very far away from state violence. I think there is a porous relationship with the state violence and civil violence. And then how we think violence in terms of, well, okay, I, I agree that political violence is different from all the kind of violence when the state applies because it's, it's a general moving of playing a role in constructing a, a new order, no? a new social order. I'm thinking in dictatorships in particular, they are trying to not just to destroy an enemy. They, they were trying to build a new, new transition to neoliberalism or destroying uh, some, uh, making a major cultural change. No, what, what we're thinking about, I think in Argentina, Chile, especially the, the South Korean, Uruguay, no? they were looking at a major cultural change. But what happened, my question is like, in which, why we couldn't we consider that this violence applied to this other subject was in some kind of political, and like the question is, maybe this there's something we took for human rights movements, like why a victim of human rights violation should be more moral dignified than a victim from police, informal detention, police detention, that was also tortured, raped, and destroyed just because of their existence. No, I think that this, this is a question we, don't, we haven't solved about how we can rate these two types of violence that are two violence that are happening at the same time that sometimes touch themselves, but they're not the same thing. But at the same time, they play the same role in construction, the same order, right? like they're trying to build an order, right? like uh, in which usually I think sexuality play a role. <laughs> I don't know how to solve it. <laughs> but I think that is that, it's just putting it, saying like, well, these concepts are good, like, but we should consider, like, as we consider that uh, universal vote wasn't a reality until women voted. It wasn't a, like democracy, as we understood it, it was, I know, it wasn't full accomplished until these people was used to, to have the same basics right as the other citizens, because... But, but precisely, I think that that's, what, that's what's really interesting, because it, it requires that change of status for the history then to be written as, as it becomes almost kind of 
um, a, a quite traditional Whig history of, of improvement, right? So it, it was terrible yeah. before until women got the vote or, you know. And it well, was yeah, that sounds teleological. Until, until, you know, trans trans people got recognition, etc. So it's, it's I, I, this is, I think, the challenge, right, of how, how not to write it as from the point of view of the moment that things got better because it, it sort of provides, oh. you know, yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, I think like also because we, we there is a risk of construction a teleological history in which this history will create ideas and in the future will be more rights. And we don't know if that will happen. Yeah. There's a huge possibility that we are going even worse than in the past. Like that's the thing with history. But I think that making it more complex will allow us to see how, I don't know, how political regimes can coexist and, and they're complex. I'm sure we can't you know, get like um, avoid using terms of democracy of dictatorship because like, but well, we should be aware that there are not some simple, these divisions are not so clear, at least for some parts of the population. Yeah. Uh, as we know also political like we know now for a lot of research that the division between democracy and dictatorship, for example, we're thinking illegal detentions and torture wasn't so clear in Latin America uh, even before. So I think that there are a lot of direction thinking this. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe we have only problems to offer. I was thinking of this idea of John Scott. And then maybe, and I think that uh, when we think in research, maybe that's the idea of this kind of lecture is that maybe it's embracing this idea that we only have problems to offer. Um, yeah, there is no solution. <laughs> but well, be aware of which decision brings you or takes you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if someone has a question. I mean, I, I, I guess I could ask you something slightly different. I, I missed at the, the very start, but um, so maybe you, you, you touched on it there. Um, and, and I know you were discussing um, you know, the, the, the questions of, uh, you know, not being a, a, a trans person yourself writing about trans uh, history. Uh, I mean, can you say a little bit more about, you know, the sort of the ethical dimensions of the research and how you've gone about um, yeah, overcoming the ethical challenges of, of a project like this? For example, uh, uh, you know, the use of photographs, right? There is a kind of, you know, where is it legitimate to use a photograph? Does the photograph present problems, things like that? Yes. Um, well, as, as I was talking about, I think that this idea of finding your relationship with this object is important, especially with, if we think how history, how addressed the subjects. In fact, these two pictures I, I, I show in the beginning, like were foundational of the first historiographical approach about gay and lesbian history in, in Argentina. And what they usually trend to do is like, well, 
because they were centering the self-identity of the researcher, but also in this idea of looking, of projecting our, our like actual, like current identity to the past, what they were looking is putting all these people in the box winner. Well, these people were gay. They were dressing like this because they were looking man. You know, like, um, and by doing this, maybe the first ethical dimension is related with how we pressure these experiences. Or at least I think, and I think that I think that the best text for, to think in that is Gabriela Cano's text about uh, Amelia Robles, because in this text she 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 started with a text she wrote in the 90s in which she said that Amelia Robles was a lesbian, and then she criticized herself. Why I did, and then she started thinking and thinking, and in a very honest and very open way. And I think that's a good text to discuss, to discuss in general or to read, because it's. Uh, it's not a moralistic text about it. I, how what I did is, it, is start thinking about well, what are the, these afterlives of Amelia Robles and how he has been reading read for time. Now she, for example, explains a little about that now there's a museum of Amelia Robles, no? because a feminist, a feminist built this museum about uh, how the feminists of the time were trying to read her as a woman because it was a symbol was like a sign of well, women we are embodying this masculinity because we are part of revolution and how all these conflicts to think a Mexican revolution and how she is a, a researcher, the historian that is a woman and is a feminist and is a lesbian uh, also affect how way she was addressing this, this picture. So, so that will be a first, a first dimension. And I think that there's an ethical dimension to, to think about it. But also obviously there's a more problematic dimension related with the relation of power I have and almost every person in the world have with a trans person. Uh, still today, trans community, I'm, I'm now I'm dealing with, with interviews and it's, it's so difficult. And maybe a lot of you that we go for research will go for this because you find histories about people that have very tough life still today that lives in poverty, um, and a very extreme poverty that um, in general, they're very lonely because like all the friends are dead, like they're survivors somehow. They're still dealing with this embodiment technologies they use now. A lot of them are dealing uh, with, with a medicine that haven't developed any knowledge about their bodies because we have a medicine that was developed for our bodies. So they don't know what happened when someone inject themselves industrial silicon and what happened when you got 60 years and you have this silicon for 30 years inside your body and this silicon starts to migrate and how you treat that. So it's, it's a very complicated relationship. Um, so <laughs> I think that the more I am this, I think that the most ethical position is always being honest <laughs> to me, like maybe very intuition. I think in this book of Ivan Hablonka about his grandpas, and he said something in that part, I think like that he brought this book about his grandparents and the distribution was saying to him, like, you can't do that because you're an objective. And he was like, well, there's no objectivity in writing history. That doesn't exist, but I can just being honest. And in my case, being honest is like all the time trying to make problematic well, what I'm getting with this relationship and what is my use of this, of this, this, this images and also learning about them uh, in, in, in all the dimensions of the, uh, especially travestis, they have something they say a lot, you know? they, they say, you use the word, you know? they play the dumb. 
that it's a way in which they define of laughing about terrible situations as a way to go through all this. You know, for example, when they have a deformity or something, they, they use nicknames like, like uh, to laugh about it. Um, along with thinking this like analytically, oh, well, this is very interesting, like this way of agency. Uh, um, it also helps you to not make it so, sometimes one is overthinking things. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm happy you're doing this. If you put my name, I went to, you know, this is another way to put to circulate. They're also in somehow agents, like applying agency over my, my research. And I'm trying to, what I try to do is how I can preserve this attempt of agents, my narrative. And how can I do to preserve these voices in, in this narrative? Uh, and well, also, and as uh, and finally, how Paul is aided about photography. Uh, well, well uh, obviously, there are a lot of well, there are a lot of ethical issues that may be very boring, but you will discover about how you treat the interviews and this related with uh, replacing names, uh, pseudonymized, is the word. So, yeah. So that's, in my case, it's very difficult because trans people don't want to be. In my experience, I, ha I only found one person that asked me to be replaced a name. In general, they don't want to because, well, they fight all their life to be recognized with a name, and now they don't want you to change it for other name. So, in general, this, this is a, like a legal eti ethical issue that I'm not being able to use. Because, well, again, no, one thing is when we think there are research protocols, uh, like this academic establishment or academic agencies think ethical issues. And one thing when we go to the field is the reality that people, well, what they desire, what they think, what they're expecting about this. And the other thing uh, about when you use photographers, at least in me, I'm trying to rescue the agency of the one that is in the photography thinking what, why, which was their, their desire. How, if I found five pictures of someone expressing some gender, I try to believe that that's the gender they want to believe because there is a reason for why there are not all the pictures of them. And these pictures are the ones that uh, persisted over time. They weren't destroyed. Uh, and then obviously uh, seeking those pictures or working with this material that has been organized by them. I have no, I, I'm working with the way in which they organize it. Uh, well, obviously, in their use no, of the image, that well, it's problematic. I, I, what I try to do is this, you know, to respect uh, the way they want it to be, to be shown. Uh, and I think uh, for me, this has been quite easy because I'm working with a trans organizations. So it's I'm mediated by like a community that have taken decision for me when a picture is available to be published or not. And then if a picture was in a newspaper, I think, well, like is already public. It's not, I'm stealing from a familiar album and putting it in my book is like, it was already public. What I'm trying to do when it's a case is showing how this circulation was mediated by other discourses that tried to change the original meaning of this picture. For example, thinking in this, how this picture was cut and what is the struggle in which this cut in this picture and, and placing it with other picture in which this person looks like a woman. You know, like, and I think that's, that's why can we deal ethically with this kind of materials. Great, thanks.
it's long. I don't know, someone else. Hi, Patricio. Mi Marieta. Hi, Marieta. Hi, um, hi, Paulo. Hi, hi, Oscar. We can't see you. Do you? No, you don't want to see me, oh, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, uh, I'm sorry that I missed um, almost, you know, a significant part of your presentation, but I was in a meeting. And again, I insist, you don't really want to see me today. Okay. In general, <laughs> no I look drama. very good. Yeah, in general, I look very good. But today, <laughs> maybe Paolo disagree with me. <laughs> but he's my supervisor. <laughs> and yeah, so um, I found really interesting uh, the part that I, that, I, um, that I didn't miss. And one of the things that I... So I found my, my question is very related to what you were saying about uh, photos. So um, I found uh, photos to be very, very useful, particularly when, when I want to see things um, or, and I, I, I don't want to imagine things. I want to see how things were in the past, right? And this is a very, very specific question. So I want to know if when you're using photos in your methodology, uh, or part of your of your methodology, right? To collect data, do you design uh, like very specific um, like conditions to include some photos, or is just a free thing? So, for example, um, do you define some aspects or considerations to consider <laughs> uh, pictures, or it's just like everything you can find about, for example, one person? So um, mm. I'm thinking I'm thinking that um, I'm very used um, to do um, critical discourse analysis, and we have like a very very uh, important set of conditions uh, when when we want to analyze uh, a particular piece of, of, of something. <laughs> and and I, I want to know if that's the same process with with photos, or is probably um, different. Because at some point I want to include them if I if I can if I can. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, obviously there are multiple ways to approach to visual studies and photographies in general. Uh, I think in now there's a lot of people working with, for example, uh, software supply to 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 visual culture that maybe is more related with some type of uh, discourse analysis about thinking, for example, color trends and those things. Uh, I'm not doing a quantitative analysis of photography, so I'm not trying to do that, but I could because I have like 3,000, 5,000 photographs. But I, be, I believe reading maybe texts more related with cultural studies about photography in general and for my training, that Obviously, when we take a picture, even if it's a singular picture, obviously we are reproducing some cultural practices related of, for example, pose. That's maybe one, no? How we pose, how we compose the image, um, with which technology we are producing it. And when we preserve this photograph, we also take in decisions about it. And so what I try first to do when I choose photograph is see broader 
collect like these photographs in a broader collection of, 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 of these pictures. Obviously, it's changed for time. It's not the same amount of photographs I have from the beginning of the 20th century that is more difficult to find. That frame after the popularization, the massive use of, of, you know, of cameras uh, since the 50s in Argentina, which obviously the amount of pictures is much more, you know, like a bigger. That's that's the first thing. Like putting these photographs like uh, in a series, like thinking like a serial, serial. I don't know the word, but it's like a serie, una serie. Like thinking them in general, then thinking them related with the lives I'm choosing to to narrate in my book. I'm obviously take some lives in particular over others to make more concrete and clear uh, this general experience in a particular life because I found it more I found it better to to get the the reader you know I think that as a reader is what I like to read so I'm trying to do that uh, so the decision comes also related with well I will use photograph of this life or of this lives to, to explain it uh, also I try to choose photographs that are, you know that help me to think these tensions of how the picture is being used where it's circulating uh, so not all the pictures are good for that because some pictures were private pictures were never circulated. Uh, and all the pictures don't have too much description. I wanted to show you, just you to give you an idea that maybe will be useful if I can. How do I get to, oh, just a second. Maybe I think it's like the most useful way to do it, I don't know, just a second. I can see if I put in the same thing. Okay, so maybe that's a, the easiest way to, to think which kind of picture I'm thinking of. So this is a grassroot archive. So also I'm thinking of the descriptions that people put in this photograph and not all the photograph has a lot of description in it. It's like the quality of the picture, the, what the description are, what we're saying of. Um, so this is a kind of picture I'm working in like depends on uh, it's, it's it's organized by person also so that's also helped me a lot to think uh, of this kind of, of, of photographies um no i don't think well uh, there's a lot of studies I, I think i may be working with other kind of works more related with portraits like conrado thinking of, of this kind of tricks and visual studies that are more worried about this negotiation of the use of the image that to to its grammar in general but not to like to think it as a social practice, like more to think it uh, as a serial practice to analyze. It's more related to well, what was the role of taking this private photograph for this persons, and uh, in particular, I choose these images that talks about these things I want to show. You know, it can be uh, technologies, etc. I'm thinking this photography obviously is another technology of embodiment that there's other dimension to think uh, photography. I don't know if I'm addressing your question, but it's more related to that. Uh, the way I'm using it is not the only way. I know other works that use more something more similar to, uh, to discourse analysis applied to a photograph, like, for example, content analysis or... Yeah. 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 Yes, you, you did answer my question. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to have to, to go, I'm afraid, but uh, thanks, Patricio. Thanks, Paolo. Bye, Paolo. Ciao.
Well, <laughs> something more. I, I just want to say that it was very interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> well, thanks, Margaret. And hope we can meet uh, soon if we can go back to UCL and Yes, yes. If I if I decide to, <laughs> if I if I really decide to go to to London again. Oh, I didn't know you were not in London. Sorry. Well, no, I, I, I want to. Ah, I want okay. to, but um, because I'm I'm from Chile and I'm oh. living here, and the problem is I have to pay two thousand pounds if I want to go to uh, London. And yes, <laughs> es mucho. Sí, eh, sí. es mucho, mucho, mucho. Bueno, eh, espero que capaz todo se soluciona con las vacunas. Yo, no sé. Bueno, gracias a todos. Eh, ya estamos a, a los tres en español. Bueno, eh, creo que. Bueno, está... lo, lo siento mucho por no haber, por no haber podido llegar antes.